From the 16-yard line, Marcus Jones. Got a block from Schooler. Here he goes. He's going to try to beat the putter. He does. He's gone. And that is a touchdown. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Kevin? The way this game is gone, and that's how this thing's going to finish? Let's go. The football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Bizarre game, bizarre game, bizarre game. Jets lose, defensive battle. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, back here for hour two of Cofield and Company. Willie's at Twin Peaks for his Monday night football engagement. Prizes going out between five and seven. We got a good game coming from Mexico City with the Niners and the Cardinals. And uh, very fitting if you're a longtime Jets fan. Uh, you expect crap like that to happen. If you're a viewer of the NFL, you expect like that stuff like that to happen to the Jets. A punt return in the final 30 seconds of the game to lose, well, in the case of the Patriots, to win an ugly defensive battle. Amazing stuff, Willie. Amazing. Yeah, and I noticed, well, I don't think that the this shot was taken at me in, in the rundown that you sent over. Uh-oh, Jets over seven. That's at the books because you and I have it just to make to, to the seven wins. So I'm, I'm not mm, no, it was it, No, it, was, it wasn't at seven and a half? Wasn't no, that our bet? No, no. No, it was not. Because I challenged it. You said, they're not even going to get to seven wins. I was like, they're going to get seven wins. No problem. Okay. It never had to do with the point spread. It was in the middle of the season. Let's not try to tweak it and change what, it. What, what, are we, what point spread are we talking about? It was no, over-under win spread. total. Not point spread, but you know what I'm saying. It was saying. an over-under win total. Over-under win total. Okay. So you're, win, you, you're winning at seven. That's the bet now. Right. We clarified that a couple oh, of weeks ago. We clarified that a couple of weeks ago because you were like, yeah, relax. They're going to get to seven. But it didn't happen yesterday, and it was very ugly, and it wasn't exactly. I mean, I I, I love the under in the game. I just wasn't sure the number scared. It scares you on both sides of it. Um, but that Jets offense, I just. I mean, we're gonna get on. We're gonna touch on Zach Wills too. I mean, I just don't know what to make of of how that team. I mean, we talked about Denver earlier, but the Jets, same thing. Uh, even worse, the Patriots call just freaking dagger in the neck because uh, Scott Zolak, who's a big Patriots homer, is on the call. Oh, they enjoyed this one. Now man is out there for his 10th punt of the day for the Jets. Marcus Jones returning for the Pats despite an earlier ankle injury. He waits on the right hash mark of the 25. The snap, waist high. Pressure-free punt, and it's a good one. Forcing Jones to backpedal right side at the 16th. Stabbed left, ran it right, down the sideline, to the 40, to the 50, to the left, left of the 45, beats the punter to the 35-30, Marcus Jones down the middle of the 10, into the end zone! Touchdown! No flag! Touchdown, Patriots! Way to call timeout! Way to bleed the clock! And the special teams and the defense wins it for you! Almost in a walk-off! Boy, Jets, you're ready for prime time. Get your buses started. Get on the plane. See you back in New York. Son of a... Hmm. Scott Zolak enjoying himself, and he should. That's an embarrassing loss for the Jets, and uh, Belichick has it all over the Jets. A season sweep with basically no offense on his side. 103 yards total offense. That's got to be a season low for all NFL teams, I would imagine. 
Second half, the Jets gained 2.77 inches per play. I inches. Crap you not. Yep. Yeah. My goodness. Special stuff. On the way back, let's get into the Cowboys' victory. We'll get into the Raiders, and we'll also talk U.S. men's soccer with a draw today against Wales. A devastating outcome, potentially. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Pulisic has Weah. Pulisic rolls it in. Tim Weah! Back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Out of all the Rangers, you know you're the mastermind. Well, mixed result for Team USA as they get the draw. That was the one goal they scored, and that was disappointing, especially since they dominated the first half. Willie Ramirez at Twin Peaks. Adam Hill is alongside as uh, Adam's in to talk some Raiders, talk some soccer. By the way, a late-night spot right here on ESPN Las Vegas as I am in Dana Point to cover the UNLV basketball game, 10 o'clock tip, 9.30, with running Rebel warm-up right here on 1100 and 100.9 FM. Adam, how are you doing? I'm good, and the, the game ended right there, right? That was the last highlight, and the game ended? I wish that were the case. Oh. I wish that were the case. A uh, lot to get into. How disappointed were you with the draw? Uh, I think it's a, it's a very disappointing result considering the way the U.S. played in the first half for sure. Uh, it was a completely dominant performance. Uh, Wales looked shaken at times. There was a lot of nerves. There was a lot of dissension. Uh, and I thought one of the you know, one of the opportunities to get away was not going up two. Uh, not finishing one of the other chances that they had and being up two, two nil instead of one. And obviously when it's one, uh, you have the opportunity to get something like they got. And, and it, it was a penalty. I don't think there's much question. I know a lot of people were upset yeah. about that, but uh, it was a penalty, and when you you know when you're in a position where you're only up one, like those things can change the outcome of the the match and the tournament potentially. And so they're in a tougher spot now, getting only the one point. But uh, obviously, both these teams and how they fare against England is going to be the big determining factor of who advances. And you know, Friday is going to be a massive, massive. Ma- obviously, you know, if you get some help uh, from Iran, that'd be great. But uh, I think it's just more who can who can get a result out of their England matchup and. U.S. is up first. Yeah, soccer rationale and, and coach speak after the game to me is is unlike any other sport in the United States. Greg Ber- uh, Berhalter, the coach after the game, said Wales went very direct in the second. They've got a lot of size. They went for long balls and second balls, and it made it difficult. Does that become an impossibility to be offensive when Wales gets more aggressive down one nothing? I don't even get the comment. Well, I mean, I think part of it is that they just changed. It's more, think about in football, if you are preparing for a team that's going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball against you, and then the team comes out and throws, you know, 50 times in the second half, you're like, what was that? Uh, I think it was a little bit of that. Uh, Wales is a team that basically just sits back and lets you possess the ball and just waits for counters, waits for a chance to go. And they possess the ball a lot more in the second half than, than they usually do. And part of that is just being behind. I mean, that's a result of, uh, you know, uh, game script kind of changed right. a little bit as we say right. in football. Right. Yes. Uh, that's part of that for sure. Uh, but I, I also thought the U.S. And, and by the way, I had uh, I will say, full disclosure, sporadic outages of Wi-Fi in the airplane where I was watching this game. Uh, which, quite an outburst when there was a goal, I'll say that. Several uh, several people cheering uh, for the right. U.S. one, uh, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they, they weren't necessarily ready for the, you know, the secondary attack. You know, when 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 Wales go behind, and they, they change their tactics, and 
Uh, it wasn't necessarily what the U.S. was prepared for. But again, I think not being ahead by more than the one after the way they dominated the first half was, in the end, why they got one point instead of three. USA Soccer plays to a draw, as Adam just said. Uh, they got one point instead of three. The draw was plus 195. USA for a win on the money line was plus 145, uh, plus 215 for a Wales win. A lot of complaints about uh, Abdul Rahman Al Jassim, the <laughs> referee, who seemed to be a little uneven in the second half when it came to Wales going down and stopping play versus when USA players went down a couple of times. Yeah, and my my even bigger complaint: the first half was atrocious. I mean, I don't know what I don't even know what he was doing. I don't know if he was nervous. I know uh, a lot of talk about being you know one of the younger. Uh, World Cup officials to debut uh, as a referee in a match, and he's 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 refed some big matches before. But uh, this is obviously a grand stage, and uh, I thought there were some very questionable decisions. But again, I, I the biggest decision of the game is clearly the penalty, and I don't think there was a big problem with that. Now, maybe maybe you say leading up to it, hey, if a couple other things go differently, maybe it's not that position where one penalty can completely swing it like that, and maybe uh, they could have had a little bit more possession of the ball uh, if. Some of the some of the other stuff was called, but um, I, I I thought he was bad, but I also I don't know that uh, it seemed like the bad calls were going against one side. I'll also say right. that, but I, it didn't necessarily seem like it was the difference in the game necessarily. But you never know how a match can change with a couple of whistles here and there. Well, and the other problem is USA drew four yellow cards, which has an effect moving forward. Oh, of course, and two right away, and two. This, this part is, you know, a little bit inside, but two on the same side of the field where now you're allowing Wales to attack that side knowing that there's really no challenge that can happen, uh, especially no, like, you know, no 50-50 challenge really that can happen uh, on that side of the field because you've kind of got free reign knowing that, hey, both these guys over here uh, are affected. They bo- they're both on yellows and they might not be able to attack and then they have to come out of the game later. So, yeah, it, it definitely impacted in that way for sure, but... Um, again, I know I, I saw a lot of a lot of the tweets about the the penalty and that. Yeah, it, it was fine, but yeah, it changes it changes the game when you call when you throw two yellows out there in like the first six minutes on the same side of the field, it's going to be a problem. Adam Hill with us at Twin Peaks, Willie Ramirez as well. It's Cofield here in Dana Point, getting ready for U, uh, UNLV uh, basketball. I was going to say USA basketball, UNLV running Rebel basketball. Um, the other thing that was a little bit distressing. And Clint Dempsey commented on it uh, after the game. He talked about getting fit for the England game, and he was referencing cramping in the game for USA. How are they not ready physically for this game? Yeah, they should be. I mean, look, it's it's a very unique climate to prepare for. Uh, but they, they've been there for a little bit. They should have, you would think, acclimated. And the other issue that the U.S. has is a couple of their key players have been out for a couple weeks from their club teams have been injured coming into this and there was some question of whether they'd be able to play and if you're not if you're not able to train or not able to go full then acclimating becomes even that much more difficult uh to this climate so yeah that that that's something to watch for for sure uh for this for this team but um they should you would think they would be ready you would think they'd be at a at a higher level of preparedness in terms of their physical fitness but I think it also – I've seen it from some other teams too. It's not just them. Like, it's a it, – okay, let's just also say, the World Cup shouldn't be there. Like, this shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening this time of year. It shouldn't be happening in that environment. It shouldn't take place. 
And so, yes, you need to be ready and prepared for whatever it is. But there are some reasons why players are not at the, you know, at the certain level that they should be at uh, physically going into it. It just, I guess every team has to deal with the same thing for the most part. Although they don't have to all deal with the same kind of injuries. Look, you watch Senegal and they don't have Sadio Mane. So, I mean, people have to deal with whatever they have to deal with. Uh, but you would, you would think there was time, you know, we've known this for, what, eight years now it's going to be here to kind of set your training schedules and set your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, set your, set your ability to that. But I think ha- not having, you know, several guys the last couple of weeks from their club teams being hurt and not being able to train the way they thought they would and then being questionable even coming into it and then trying to get out there, that has a big impact as well. Um, lineup question. So Gio Reyna never got in and Aronson got in late. What was going on there? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't hate the lineup that they had. I liked I liked kind of how they even, like I said, the first half, they played together so well. I think the lineup they put out there fit very well. So I, I don't want to complain too much about how they played, and I don't know what was going on behind the scenes and what some, went into some of those decisions that they made. But um, I, I don't have a problem with it because it actually kind of worked. USA 1-1 draw. So now England is next on Friday. How big a dog, like how big an upset would this be for a straight-up win? It'd be pretty big. I mean, look, to me, I feel like if you draw, that's a victory. Because I don't know that Wales is going to be able to beat England. I mean, it's going to be a massive match for them, and certainly they're capable of it. They can hang in there. But uh, to me, if you draw, you're probably – because the the whole goal here is is advancing. It's it's finishing in the top two. That's that's what you want to do. And so I, I feel like if you draw in that match, that gives you a chance. Now, you can't necessarily just play for a draw because you could be, you know, you could be Senegal. You could be nil-nil like late in the game and give up one, and uh, all of a sudden you, the, the one point turns into zero. But I, I do feel like that would be a victory. But, yes, it would be a, a pretty big upset to actually get three points out of that match, especially considering the way England looked today. I mean, look, level of competition, sure. But England looked like an absolute buzzsaw today. So that that'd be a little that's, that's a little bit concerning of the level they looked at and the level the U.S. looked at. But if they play the way they did in the first half, it's not it wouldn't be that stunning to be right there with them and even potentially pull off a victory. They they looked really good. So on your comment about the World Cup shouldn't be in Qatar, Qatar. So there's a couple things here. Uh, one, I saw Grant Wall, a longtime soccer writer, tried to get into the stadium wearing a a t-shirt with a rainbow on it in support of uh, LBGTQ. <laughs> Um, and I guess on the commercial side of things, and, and Wall was basically told you can't come in, you got to change the shirt. And on the commercial side of things, I think Budweiser was given promises about their seventy-five million dollar ad buy with FIFA, and you know the World Cup being in this country, and then they, I guess they changed the beer availability rules. Yeah, as soon as the fans started to arrive, yep. like yeah, we'll bend the rules a little bit. We'll you know we'll we'll allow some things, and we're not going to be as strict as usual. No, it's all fine. Oh, everybody's here now? Everybody's arrived in the country? Yeah, we're shutting it down. Like, that's pretty yeah. that's pr- pretty unethical and shady and, 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 and everything and, else. And, but and God knows FIFA's never going to have the balls to stand up to the host country after the, that host country spent $200 billion to get ready for the thing and how many billions went what, go straight into FIFA's pockets. What are you talking about? After, you know, five, six years after you're done with FIFA and you're under investigation and under indictment, then you'll come out and say, hey, this was a huge mistake. It shouldn't be there. Like, yeah, great, great, uh, great courage you show now, Sepp, uh, saying that this shouldn't be here anymore. Uh, it's preposterous. But, yes, of course they're not going to say anything. They're happily enjoying the money that's lining their pockets. And, um, and, and if, look, if it was – I would have a problem with it even if it was just the organization getting money 
but they're personally all taking money too. It seems like allegedly. I guess we should say that. Uh, it seems like they're all personally getting enriched by this. In addition to the organization of FIFA getting enriched by this, as an organization, you probably should be looking at what's best financially, what's best for the bottom line. Like that's kind of how it operates. But personally, it seems like there's a little bit above and beyond that, and they they absolutely sold out for this, and you're you're seeing the results of it. I mean, the stadiums are not full. People have seen that on TV, right? And they're trying their best not to show the whole stadium on camera. But it's not full. It's the World Cup. It's 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 ridiculous that this is going on. And uh, I I think you'd be okay with me saying this. Jakob Johnson, the, uh, the fullback for the Raiders, obviously from Germany, a, a big soccer fan. And I was kind of talking to him about it. And he said, I don't know that I can watch it. He's like, I, it's really? so disgusting. So, he said, it's so disgusting. He's like, every time I turn it on, you know, the previews and getting ready for it, he's like, I just can't even look at it. It's gross. And I said, to me, it's kind of like R. Kelly music. I'm like, yeah, this sucks and it's gross, but it's once every four years and it's kind of awesome. Like, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just going to watch it and try to forget about what's behind it. But I know for some people, it's a very hard thing to do. Adam Hill is with us. Willie Ramirez, Twin Peaks, getting ready for Monday night football game in Mexico City. Got the Niners and the Cardinals. Niners are big favorites. Uh, get on down there. Willie's got some great prizes, and they've got the big beers under 4 bucks. the select appetizers, 2 4 and $6. All right, transition to the Raiders. I know your feelings on, you know, uh, Raiders' ultimate goal here, <laughs> rebuild, all that stuff. But uh, let's just talk about the win yesterday and after a ridiculously, you know, controversial week, and it looked like, uh, some infighting and some fracturing for the Raiders to go on the road and win the game against a lousy Bronco team. I still think is something special, and uh, they were very emotional after the game, and the celebration was next level for that win by the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders lost yesterday after three straight wins. Uh, no, but but to your point, I, I think I think you're you're right, and it's actually you know one of the things that um, you know talking to Josh McDaniels about it just. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, and not not that he would say this, but yes, in the grand scheme of things, losing is a or excuse me, winning is a really bad thing for the organization. But for this group, for the coaches, for the players that are out there, for them to get a result for all the the work that they're putting in and everything that they're doing and everything that they are trying to build and you know, when Mark Davis says what he says about they're doing a great job in building to where they want to build. And Josh McDaniel said we're so close and everything that we're building is there. You actually have to kind of see the result of that to to make it make sense, to right. keep working for it. And and that's what they got out of that game yesterday. Uh, so, so yes, to, to me, I think losing should be the ultimate goal, but that's not what it's going to be for the players. And for the ones that are going to be around long term, the players and the coaches that are going to be here in the future, like, you do have to see that this can work, that this process can work, that there is, you know, there is that pot of gold at the end if you keep working for it. And that's what they got out of that game yesterday. And I, I think you could tell that in the locker room. You could see it with the players. You could see that, you know, there, there was, like, like, a sense of relief. But I think the sense of relief almost came last week of, hey, look, this season is not going where we want it to go. Our coach is – got a vote of confidence. He's going to be back. Like, they said that they're you know trying to build. Nothing drastic is going to change. Let's just go out and play, and I think that's what they did. So when you look at the complexion of the entirety, the AFC, the AFC West, I think it's it's a done deal, right? The Chiefs are, I mean, they're in the driver's seat. They're not going to fold. 
it would take a drastic injury for that team to, to collapse. But on the entirety, in, in what this season has become for so many teams, I'm not sure if the Raiders are capable of winning out, but if they finish off strong, do, do they – do they have to go into the rest of the season in your mind with a with a playoff mindset, or is it let's just do what we can to sort of finish the season on a positive note? No, I th- I think even well, I guess in the end, I guess every every game should be you're going out and you're trying to do your best to win, unless you're unless you're of my mindset of trying to tank. But no, if you're if you're trying to build something, you're trying to get to an ultimate goal. If you're trying to go out there and play a game on a Sunday, your goal should be to win every game. So I guess it's always a playoff mindset, quote unquote. But in terms of what they should be working toward, I don't think that should be the goal necessarily because then you're probably going to be disappointed and you're probably not – if you if you go out there and say, we want to win every single game, we have to win every game, we have to win out, and that doesn't happen, that's, that shouldn't be a failure at this point. Like, it should be continue to build, continue to trust the process that you're going through. Uh, Derek Carr even used the, the phrase trust the process yesterday. He said, yeah, I'm a big Joel Embiid fan. We're trusting the process. Um figure that you want to see solid play on all three phases you want to see the plan coming together all of those things are what's important not necessarily the result but yeah every time you take the field in that realm I guess it should be win every single week and try to get as many wins you can put together but I don't I don't think right now you should say hey let's win every game and make the playoffs that's our goal because you probably are going to fall short and be disappointed Adam what do you think of the defensive effort uh what did I just say about England and Iran, right? Or the the level of competition, you can't really judge it. I mean, that is a bad offense. That is a really bad offense that Denver has. And I did not foresee that. I, I kept thinking it was going to come together. I thought the last couple weeks you were seeing positive signs. But that's just a bad offense. So uh, credit to the Raiders for going out. I mean, they even against bad offenses, they've struggled this year. But yesterday they went out, and I thought early in the game it looked like Denver was going to be able to put something together. And they made some good adjustments, and they came through, and they held them down. And they, you know, when they needed to get the ball back, they did. And a couple of those were Denver mistakes, not necessarily Raiders plays, but they did what they had to do to put to give their offense a chance. And then when the offense failed, they gave them another chance to succeed at the end of the game. Like I think you have to give the defense a lot of credit for that. Gosh, I don't know how many times we've looked at this, watched this team. You've been to every single game, um, as far as watching it home games, watching it on the air, but the different ways that we've talked about that defense, the one person that stands out, no matter the level of competition as far as his effort is concerned, has Max Crosby, is he just basically the cornerstone of this franchise at this point? Yeah, and I think, I mean, Devontae on offense for sure, and you would think Josh Jacobs, but he's probably going to be gone. You know, He's probably playing himself out of Las Vegas with the season that he's having and the money that he's going to get on the market. So I think Max Crosby is the guy you build around, not only because of the success that he has, but as you said, the effort on every single play. You just look at that the the stretch from the end of the second quarter to the beginning of the third, over a stretch of like six plays, he forced a fumble, blocked a field goal, and got a sack. Like three out of six or seven plays it was. He never stops, and, and that's the key. And Josh McDaniels talked, that a little, talked about that a little bit today of, you know, you make those plays – because of the six, seven plays in between where you give that same effort and nothing happens. Where you give that same exact effort and you're blocked by three guys and you don't go anywhere and you don't get a sack and you don't make a tackle and you're shut out of the play. Because if you give that same effort every single time, eventually you're going to make plays. 
too too often you see guys. Well, I really tried hard three plays in a row, and I didn't do it. Nothing happened. I didn't get a tackle. I didn't get anything in the stat sheet. What's the point? Not not necessarily quit, but just like, hey, I'm going to take this playoff. And he never takes a playoff, and that's why, you know, he gives, you know, 30 straight plays. Not usually that long, but of ha- nothing happening, and then he's generating play after play after play because every play, even if you try to take him out of it, he's still working that hard. And, and I think that's the example that he's setting for everybody else. And if you're talking about foundations, I think Nate Hobbs is on that level now. He's not there right now. He's on IR, but I think he's there. Um, and I think Devontae on the offensive side is there and a couple other guys probably. But, yeah, that's, that's who you want to build around because of that effort. Adam Hill, stick around for uh, five more minutes. I want to get uh, both you and Willie's take on what's going on with DGK. Losers are three or four. Uh, not, you know, not a must win this early in the season, but a game on the road they should win against the Canucks on the way. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks Henderson with Cofield and Company. Great prizes plus food and drink specials. Monday starting at 2 p.m. at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Drysaddle works around Petrangelo, closes in, scores! Connor McDavid wins it in overtime. He goes upstairs by the glove on Aiden Hill. Looked like he'd go downstairs, then flipped it by inside the right post. And the Oilers kept it. Delivers Edmonton a 4-3 overtime victory against the Golden Knights. Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Cofield in California getting ready for running Rebel Basketball. Twin Peaks, it's Willie. Joined by Adam Hill. All the company is in the house, well, except for JBT, who's actually on this trip, and he'll be on tomorrow. Adam Candy. We'll check in with him sometimes this week because we have to wish him a happy Thanksgiving and talk some food. All right, guys, I'll start with Willie. Uh, what happened in this last game and what's happened of late, guys? Uh, you know, after an awesome start, I guess it was going to even out at some point. But what's happened of late as UGK has dropped three or four? Yeah, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure if anything's specific to point to. I mean, oh, the, the first game back against San Jose, that's a team that the Sharks come in a little bit motivated for. Um, you know, they lose – or excuse me, the first game back to St. Louis and then – St. Louis is going to come in. They, they endured a long losing streak, but they're a better team than that losing streak indicated. And against San Jose, as I said, the Sharks are motivated. We saw some defensive collapses in the second half of the entire game, meaning the second half of the second period and then forward. You're seeing that zone defense. It collapsed a little bit below the goal line, so it was allowing some rebounds to, to not get cleared, and they took advantage of it. Then they go on the road, and they play a talented Edmonton team. No matter how, where you want to look at them in the standings, the speed of that team is always going to be dangerous matchup between Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with Jack Eichel I mean it was a showdown and Edmonton's always going to play tough in their own barn Uh, McDavid scores the game winner in overtime I just think it's just you know it's a matter of playing catch-up at some point these teams are going to endure losses Uh, so three out of four losses when you look at the start that it's had I think it's it's somewhat normal to at some point have a lull when you have the type of win streak that this team has enjoyed um, I think tonight is a is a scary game just for the fact that Vancouver's always been a tough team um, against the Golden Knights. They come up, they, they've won two in a row, including one on the road at Buffalo to close a long road streak, and then that notorious first game back against the LA Kings. So tonight in Vancouver is going to be a tough game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not overly concerned certainly right now uh, with where the Knights are. I think I, I would think everyone would agree is as well as they were playing, uh, and as good as we thought they could be, they were definitely kind of overachieving a little bit. I think they were just kind of on a run, uh, kind of building off one game to the next and 
uh, playing it off each other. And that road trip they had was nobody nobody could have seen them get, getting the sweep on that road trip. That was crazy. Uh, so this is just more normal, you know, kind of regression of the mean a little bit. Uh, I, I think the, the key is to not let that linger. I mean, you're going to have stretches like this. The key to being a good team and to finishing where you want in the standings is when these stretches come to kind of, you know, just put, put your put your hand on the dirt to say, all right, we're stopping right here. And I guess that doesn't apply on the ice, but uh, we're stopping right here and we're going to not let this, you know, losing three out of four becoming become losing seven out of eight or, you know, six out of seven, something like that. So you got to end these streaks when they start. They're going to happen. It'll happen again later this year. It always does in every season. And just don't let that don't let that carry over. Don't the same way that you let the, you had the winning streak carry over. You don't want the losing streak to carry over. And I think that's kind of what they want to do now. They just kind of put a stop to it, get back to playing the way that they want to play and get the results they want to get. And there's a couple of periods in that little uh, quick homestand they had that they didn't love. And I know Bruce Cassidy kind of talked about that, but for the most part, they haven't play, played bad. They just haven't quite been playing on the same level they were for two weeks. Adam Hill, what are you doing tonight? Are you going to watch high school football? Skyhawk Pride, let's go. State champs tonight. The, the the coronation begins right now. It's a coronation, not a not a state championship game. It's happening. Can you set it up? What's the situation? Playing Shadow Ridge at Allegiant Stadium for the state title, the real state title. Silverado yeah. is, right? Yeah. Rematch. Well, not they everyone knows last that, year, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the same two teams played last year. I'm happy for both schools just because of exactly what Adam's about to point out. What's that? You just got done saying it and I cut you off. Oh, that the other that, It's the real Yeah, the real state championship. Yes. That other one doesn't matter. Right. Uh yeah, and it's look, Silverado has been unbelievably good defensively. I think we set the foundation uh back when I was there and now it's uh, finally coming to fruition the last few years with this unbelievable run the Skyhawks have been on. But defensively they were absolutely dominant. Last week actually gave up seventeen points, but uh it was still a blowout victory. I think the defense is restored tonight. Shadow Ridge, lucky to get ten points tonight. Adam, good job, man. We appreciate you coming down thank to you. Twin Peaks. We know you got work to do and you want to go ruin on your high school. So thank you. Say hi to Kurt, your dad. I know he's around. <laughs> Willie, yeah. we come back in just a few. We're going to bring in uh, Mr. Scoop, Chris Matthews. Is, uh, he's going to give us the UNLV breakdown of that UNLV disappointing loss in Hawaii. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Just got out-competed, and that was uncharacteristic. And that's what happens when you don't lose focus, you know. Uh, it's tough on the guys all week. I, I warned them that this, these type of games set, get set up this way. Um, that's got to fall on got to fall on my shoulders first. It's got to fall on the ears that hear it. And uh, I look at see what can be different. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. All right, rolling on here on a Monday. Cofield and company, let's bring in Chris Matthews. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Uh, we're good. Trying to figure out uh, UNLV's football game against Hawaii. I know you were very, um, oh, I don't know, upset because I don't think you take these things personally, but you were kind of shocked that UNLV football fell at Hawaii. I was. I just don't think that Hawaii is very good this year. Although I will say that there's been some pretty good teams back in the uh, back in the whack days, some early Mountain West days, when you would roll into Hawaii with a pretty good team and get beat. But this is just a different Hawaii team, a team that's that's not very good, doesn't have a lot of talent across the board. And and for UNLV to go in there, probably the thing that might have bugged me more than anything was even after the game, 
where uh, Marcus Arroyo was saying that uh, you know they got out physical, they uh, didn't compete on the same level and lost their focus. I'm thinking, how do you how do you lose your focus when you have something to play for against a team that's not very good, and the other team doesn't really have anything to play for but pride? You just kind of it, it it irritates me. But then you know you, you, I get thinking though. I guess if you'd have asked me at the beginning of the year, hey, would you take five wins? and a win over Reno, I'd say, yeah, I'll take that. That'd be a nice successful uh, bounce and a bump for Marcus Arroyo and his Rebels if they get five wins, and one of those includes uh, Reno since they had won two before and zero the year before that. So, um, yeah, I just think uh, just the way that thing unfolded and the, the uh, I know there were some injuries, but, you know, they score on the big runs and they couldn't stop the guys. You felt bad for them. And then for Arroyo to kind of come out and say, we weren't as physical. We didn't compete as hard. We lost our focus. How do you? I, that, I don't understand that. that. I still don't understand that. So that means you're putting them on the hot seat, Chris. You ready to fire them? No, I'm not going to fire them. But I, here's what I say: they got to they got to come out and compete, uh, compete against a bad, really bad. It's been I can't remember how bad Reno. They're as bad as they've been since I've probably been here. This Reno team, so they're not any good. So they got to come out and compete. If they lose that game, then I think you have some decisions to make. What's the direction of this program? Because can you really, can you really go zero wins, two wins, four wins, and you lose to Reno and you lose what would it be then eight in a row or whatever it is or seven in a row? Yeah, I don't think you can do that, can you? Well, it, I think you nailed it before. Is where when you said you know if, if at the start of the season you said this is going to be a five win team that beats Reno after just two wins last year after a winless season the season prior and with everything that went through in terms of COVID, um, it's acceptable. The fact it's just the fact that how it went down a four and one season and then you you, you know you lose five six seven in a row. Um, I I don't know. I go back to the very first Zoom we ever had with Marcus, well, the one, the first one I was ever on, and I remember asking him specifically the importance he places on the game against UNR. And he had said that, coming from Oregon, he understands what then was called the Civil War, which has been sort of cru- uh, um, squashed, that he doesn't want to focus on just that one game. Well, guess what? Now there's a big focus, bowl eligibility or not. You have to focus on that game, and it's just as important as any other, if not the most important game probably since he's arrived. Oh, I would definitely agree on that. This is the big game for him. I mean, if you can't win, Reno is, I mean, Hawaii's bad. Reno's worse. Reno is a bad, bad team. And they have, I mean, they, there's no reason they would come down here. and There's no reason UNLV should lose this game Saturday at home with a cannon on the line, the pride of these players, supposedly uh, an improved bunch of uh, athletes, and, and the recruiting he's done over the last couple of years, it got better athletes. He's a, he, he has a better team. Now, I did say going into the uh, Hawaii game that if, if UNLV plays the way they played against Fresno State, they will win both those games. But for some crazy reason, still absurd, that they got outplayed in Hawaii and out-hustled in Hawaii, out-physicaled in Hawaii, lost their focus in Hawaii. That just can't happen. I don't even see how it could happen. It's crazy. Does that fall back on the shoulders? Does it fall back on the players? Is it a combination of both? Um, were there some injuries involved? Yeah, both teams are dealing with injuries. UNLV has the better players. They have the more talented players. So I think I think it is a big, big deal this weekend to beat UNR because, like I said, if you and I had been talking, Willie, prior to the season, we're sitting at, yeah, you know, we couldn't win any games in the first year. Yeah, we'll give him a pass. It was COVID. Uh, the second time, you know, he wins a couple of games. 
And then now in this third year, if we would have got into it saying, hey, how about if he wins five games and one of them's Reno? I'd have said, oh, that's a nice, successful season. I'll take that. I think anybody would take that. Anybody in this Valley would have taken that. Five wins and a win over Reno. Like you say now, the way it unfolded, having started the season 4-0 and and just having to win two of those remaining games against a conference really that's pretty that's, that's weaker than it's been in a while, that everybody thought that would have happened. So it's kind of a shame. It's it's disappointing that it hasn't happened, actually. Matthews with us, 8 News Now. You know, the other weird thing on the, the focus, they actually got to Hawaii relatively late. There wasn't a lot of free time. Uh, by the time they got to the hotel, it was like 5 o'clock Hawaii time, uh, game the next day at 6 o'clock Hawaii time. So I don't, I don't know that there was a lot of time to, to lose focus. I just, for some reason, I thought there was a lack of fire and energy and warm-ups. It seemed like kind of a calm atmosphere in the warm-ups, and I'm not sure why that was. And then the other thing is, clearly the last three games, Chris, since Doug Brumfield is back, it's been a little bit of a different Doug Brumfield, and I think the play calling offensively has been a little bit different because once this team gets to, like, the 33 down to, say, like, the 22 of the opposition, they just haven't been super aggressive, and you've had a lot of three and outs, uh, some errors. They scored a touchdown. That got called back because of a holding. They had more mistakes on that drive. It seems like once they get into that sweet spot, everything kind of falls apart on offense. And, you know, the Daniel Gutierrez field goals are great, but they've kind of been the difference in all three games, just a few too many field goals and a few, um, you know, not enough touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, even going back, when you think of all the Gutierrez field goals in that San Jose uh, or that Fresno State game against UNLV here at Allegiant, we have a 37-30. If they would just finished on a couple of those, they'd have won that game. I was looking through some notes here where UNLV ninth one-score loss in 22 games. They're just not finishing. That goes back, you know, to the beginning of the last season, how they, they have had so many close calls, but they just can't finish and execute when they need to the very most, which is disappointing. Now, you've you got to figure that rides on the shoulders of the coaching staff, right, to get these guys focused, to get these guys ready to compete against teams in the Mountain West. I always go back to a buddy of mine that lived in Salt Lake when this was the WAC days, and then it turned into the uh, Mountain West days, and, we, and it Really, you don't have to be that great of a team to compete in the Mountain West. You don't have to be uh, in the old days when you had, you know, Utah, BYU, and some of those early San Diego State. Of course, I guess really they weren't that good, but some of those teams that were that were pretty good in the Mountain West. You don't have to be all that great to compete and have a decent season and get to a bowl game in the Mountain West Conference. You just don't. Chris Matthews with us, Eight News Now. You know, the biggest thing I think to shake because uh, one, you can you can look at. Uh, the fact that they're in close games as a positive, you know, and those are kind of coin flip spots. Eventually you have to start winning some of the coin flips. I mean, look at last year. The Raiders were 7-2 and two in uh, one-score games. This year they finally win a one-score game, so now they're 1-6. and six. So they're right on the edge, and what that means for Arroyo's future, I'm not sure. I think people calling for his firing know that's next to impossible. One, I think he deserves a fourth year, and two, UNLV is really not in a position budget-wise to just blow out Marcus Arroyo and owe him a bunch of money, but I think the kind of the, the losing mentality and accepting losing is, is one one more thing they kind of have to extinguish, and I thought they had done it at 4-1, and one, but I think that's the final step, and that's that's kind of a tough thing with a culture, although I will say Jim Moore Jr. actually did it this year by going to six wins with UConn. Yeah, there are some coaches that can do that, and we go back to John Robinson when he got here. He wanted to try to change that culture, and you know, you go back 
Horton, he, he couldn't win here. Then you bring in uh, John Robinson, wanted to change the culture, brought in some some pretty good players. In fact, you go back and look through some of the archives and you see, man, this guy's pretty good. He put some guys in the NFL. But it's all about changing that culture. Like you were saying, when they were 4-1, and one, you're thinking, oh, okay, they're going to they're gonna easily win a couple of games here. And for the first time, rah, rah, they're going to go to a bowl game. But for some reason, that culture, it's so difficult to change, especially here. I mean, I, I always go back and I, you know, I kind of, I, I, I joke about it, although it's not, obviously not true, but it seems like the program here is snake bit to where they can't even lock into a good year now and again. You know, Wyoming locks into a good year. New Mexico locks into a good year. Colorado State locks into a good year. UNLV can't lock into a good year. I've seen it over 26 years now. They, uh, a couple of bowl games is all they've been to. And it's just crazy how this year, starting out four and one, and with the, uh, with the schedule they had after that, uh, a San Jose State, an Air Force, a San Diego State, and a Fresno, and a Hawaii, that you and UNR. But out of those teams, you couldn't win two games? It's unbelievable. Now, I, I agree with you, Steve. I don't think they're going to blow him out. And he does deserve another year. But it, then you have to really seriously consider, okay, next year, you got to get to a bowl game. you just got to get to a bowl game. It's ridiculous. Chris, appreciate it. Strong stuff on uh, Twitter, strong stuff on the show today. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Hey, thanks, Steve. There is Chris Matthews. Make sure you check out uh, 8 News Now and their pregame show on uh, Sunday mornings with Mark McMillan. They do a, a great postgame show as well with their sports special on Sunday evening. So really frustrating weekend, Willie, for UNLV football. Um, in a good way, it's a thing that – in, um, in a good way, I, I think that the explosion on social media means that people still care about UNLV football. But, you know, I understand why they're frustrated. Um, after a 4-1 start – um, it would have been nice to get one of those close games against Fresno or at San Diego State. Um, and certainly this was a winnable game, and, yeah, they got outplayed. And they got beat. That's the other, the other part, too, is as they go to the game against Nevada, uh, now they're looking at injuries to defensive backs Ricky Johnson. We'll see what the condition of Noel Williams is. Jonathan Baldwin got beat up. I saw uh, Jordan Morgan limping around. Jeray Williams left the game with a hip, so hopefully they have enough – healthy guys or the twos and the threes can step up at defensive back because you have to beat Nevada in a, in, a, in a year where Nevada is way the hell down. You have to win the game. There's no doubt that you have to win that game. There's, I mean, regardless of what take, what, what, what that, what's taking place leading up to this, this now goes back to, you know, um, the most important, what I said to Chris, the most important game, ultimately, in my opinion, of his career because to this point in three seasons – um, this is a game. It's not going to solve everything because there's going to be those salty fans who wanted to go to a bowl game that expected yeah. to be bowl eligible after starting four and one. But now, you better end the season at home with a terrible against a terrible UNR team with a victory. Yeah, you can't end the season losing seven in a row after a promising four and one start. And certainly after the next game, we can't hear there was a lack of focus for a game against Nevada because you know Nevada's coming in. This yes. is, this could be the one thing that you know, at least saves their season a little bit by retaining the cannon. UNLV has to be jacked up for this one, has to be angry. And the other thing is, for the seniors like Austin Ajake, you got to, come on, for him, at a minimum, Gutierrez, win the game.